Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Today was day 68 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings and featured uh, one witness and that was uh, Deputy RCMP Commissioner Brian Brennan. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan is the number two RCMP officer in the country, uh, just below uh, Commissioner Brenda Lucky. And uh, it was uh, testified for a good part of the day from about 11 o'clock uh, in the morning onward. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan was in uh, Saskatchewan uh, this morning or today and testifying by video. So he was examined by Jamie Van Wart for the commission and then there was uh, cross-examination from uh, participants council uh, afterwards, starting about the middle of the afternoon. Uh, so the first thing to know about uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan is that he was, uh, at the time of the Mass Casualty Commission, he was in that role and he was responsible for effectively making sure that the Nova Scotia RCMP had the appropriate resources and then he was uh, briefing Commissioner Lucky uh, from time to time as events were unfolding. But prior to that role, uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan was the head of the RCMP in Nova Scotia. From 2014 till 2019, uh, he held the role of commanding officer for the RCMP in Nova Scotia. And so I was thinking about that as he was giving his answers. I mean, just like the rest of the senior management of the RCMP, whether it's the uh, the white shirts in, in uh, Nova Scotia or in Ottawa, and we've heard this from uh, Corporal Tim Mills from the Earth Squad, that at some point they're, they're political entities. And it was like watching House of Cards for people that are familiar with that program or any sort of political drama where... You know, there's, there's little comments, little attempts to undermine somebody who's a step above you on the corporate ladder. And, all right, well, if they're out, maybe then you move up into that spot. And, you know, you have everybody has their favorites and their supporters. And, you know, so you're trying to read between the lines of all of the things that are said. And it struck me that given that uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan was stationed in Nova Scotia and these other connections that may have clouded some of his loyalties or his opinions because of loyalties. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, when he was asked about this, this phone call we've heard about uh, before, uh, you know, that touched off the whole controversy about political interference, it was after this April 28th, 2020 press conference where Darren Campbell led the effort on behalf of the Nova Scotia RCMP, and it didn't go well, uh, Commissioner Lucky didn't think so, made the uh, conference call with the Nova Scotia RCMP management team and, you know, criticized them for their communications approach. Well, uh, what does uh, number two uh, Deputy Commissioner Brian Brennan say about that? Well, he also thought that uh, Commissioner Lucky was perhaps a little heavy-handed, that he had advised her that you know, not to make that phone call so freshly after the press conference, which he actually said thought he went it went well. Uh, Commissioner Lucky didn't think it did went well. I think most of the, the public also now, particularly in retrospect, uh, didn't think it went all that well. So it's possible that uh, that the loyalties that uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan, uh, who's perhaps thinking of becoming Commissioner Brennan, who knows, uh, head to the Nova Scotia team. I noticed that he called Assistant Commissioner Lee Bergerman Lee, first name on a couple of times. Although I will say when he was asked about 
the issue there was a an issue of whether Commissioner Lucky had been told before uh, some of her comments that the makes and models were uh, not going to be or were going to be uh, disclosed during the RCMP press conference, uh, that one of the 28th. And now today, uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan says, yeah, that's, that's true. I probably didn't uh, brief her to tell her that that wasn't actually going to be brought up during the call or during, sorry, during the press conference. And so, you know, Commissioner Lucky was misinformed. There was a gap in the uh, in the chain of command, in the, the chain of information. So uh, he did support her in that way, uh, but certainly seemed uh, not terribly reluctant to criticize the, the commissioner and support the Nova Scotia team. So I thought that was interesting. Now, uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan did seem, I would say, to be a, part of the RCMP that was he was a force for secrecy or instinct to secrecy. And the example is this 2011 criminal intelligence bulletin, Nova Scotia. And uh, this issue came up because the bulletin was uh, discovered and discovered by uh, Truro police. And then it was ultimately disclosed. The question came up as to whether it should be disclosed proactively. And there was a discussion on this RCMP Superintendent uh, Demopoulos uh, had noted in uh, meeting notes that Deputy Commissioner Brennan was against it. He was against proactively disclosing uh, the existence of this criminal intelligence bulletin that had said that Gabriel Wartman had uh, wanted to kill a cop and that was, you know, that information was passed from HRP to the RCMP in the area. So now, Deputy Commissioner Brennan didn't deny that that was his opinion at the time. He tried to turn it a little bit to say, well, you know, there was more context and they wanted to make sure that they had a plausible explanation for it all. In other words, he wanted to be able to control the narrative before releasing this information. And then when they, but uh, they never did. Though it became out in an access to information request, not through proactive disclosure by the RCMP. So certainly he has to accept some responsibility for their institutional uh, secrecy. He was also asked, uh, so he was asked a number of things about the Nova Scotia H Division, as RCMP calls it, uh, leadership. And we've heard before that there was this wellness review, they call it it's the Quintet Report. Uh, Quintet must be the name of the company. And there was an action plan developed as a result of this to address the leadership uh, issues in Nova Scotia. People wanted to retire. They wanted to transfer out. There was uh, bad morale after all of this. And uh, so um, he hasn't, uh, he didn't have much to say about that. It doesn't really seem to have, the RCMP hasn't really seemed to have developed a plan to address these issues of leadership in Nova Scotia, nor to address the, the issues of the relationship of between the RCMP and the other police forces in Nova Scotia. In fact, uh, it was discussed today with Deputy Commissioner Brennan that Chief Super Superintendent Janice Gray wanted to move the uh, Halifax RCMP's operation out of the Halifax Regional Police Building. Uh, now, Deputy Commissioner Brennan opposed this uh, and, and he said he instructed Lee uh, to work on that relationship. He said, you know, you can't, there's a, these are joint operations. And if you can't be in the same building uh, as somebody with whom you're conducting joint operations, well, that's a bigger problem. So he uh, wanted that addressed, but 
just the fact that the request was made by uh, Chief Superintendent Gray certainly speaks to uh, deep-rooted issues, you know, certainly at the leadership level, but uh, between the two police forces. A uh, couple of other things he mentioned. One was this uh, meeting uh, just this summer of senior RCMP and RCMP finance people. They are uh, discussing the sale or restarting the sale of decommissioned RCMP vehicles. Now, Deputy Commissioner Brennan tried to make a distinction. He was asked, well, you know, what do you think? You're, the, you're number two in command. Uh, your opinion may hold some weight in this discussion. He wouldn't come right out and say it, but I think what he was trying to say is, you know, these, uh, you know, if it's an F-150 or a vehicle that's not obviously a former police vehicle, those should just be sold. And, uh, you know, there's no issues there. With the other vehicles, uh, maybe there needs to be a further discussion. But my reading between the lines a little bit, it seemed like he wanted, you know, he was trying to say that if they take the decals off, those are the real problems. It's not the fact that it's a, you know, a white charger. You can buy those anyway. But he said the alternative is you either store them indefinitely or you they just be sent away to be crushed. So uh, there's certainly a financial impact of that decision one way or the other. So that was one thing. The other thing was this emergency alert uh, discussion. And there were uh, 2012 notes disclosed in an interview uh, provider answers, written answers to response from uh, former Justice Minister Mark Fury, who was previous to that former staff sergeant. Well, he's still far, former staff sergeant. Before that, he was a staff sergeant with the RCMP, Mark Fury, about the alert ready system. And in 2012, uh, staff sergeant, then staff sergeant Fury, wrote a, a memo saying that, um, you know, this is something the RCMP should be looking at, adopting, you know, whether it's for natural disaster purposes or otherwise. And uh, he felt that his minister Fury, that there was strong resistance within the RCMP to adopting the alert ready. Basically, it was too much money involved in the training elements of it and then staffing the system because it has to be staffed uh, 24 hours a day. All right, so uh, those are some interesting points raised by uh, Deputy Commissioner Brennan. Another thing, so uh, another thing he brought up, and uh, I was thinking about this week too because of the tragedy in. Uh, Saskatchewan, you know, the stabbing deaths out there uh, with um, Miles and Damien Sanderson. Some of the lessons learned, now this is the, the the way the question was put to Deputy Commissioner Brennan is, well, are there any lessons learned by the RCMP? And he used the Saskatchewan uh, situation as an example. There were two key things. One is they issued an emergency alert, actually within an hour and a half of getting the first call, there was a public alert issued within two hours, there were within another half hour. The names of the two suspects were released and some descriptions were released and there was better public alerting done there. The second thing was air support was in place and the air support was not only in place through the RCMP but also through the Saskatoon police and so the relationship was there, it was already developed and the Saskatoon, RC, or Saskatoon police uh, air support was made available right away. So those were good things, but there were still some instinct to secrecy and problematic things. So remember in uh, the the first minutes uh, after Gabriel Wartman was killed at the big stop, 
the police tweet out something that the suspect uh, was in custody. Well, I guess so, but he was dead. Uh, same thing with, um, similar in a way to what happened in Saskatchewan where uh, Miles Sanderson was captured by the police and then uh, died, died thereafter. And they say, well, he was in medical distress, which could mean many, many things. Uh, you know, whether ingested pills or who, who knows what he may have done, but he died. And nobody's explained how uh, how that happened or what the police may know or what they did or what, all that stuff. So uh, some vagaries there. The earlier point was made of, um, oh yeah, so uh, I compare that again to the, the, the tweet about the firearms complaint um, in, uh, in Portapic. The, the other thing was when the first suspect, uh, his brother Damien was found, they say, well, the wounds that were not self-inflicted. Well, well, do you, do you think Miles Sanderson killed him or what? So they're still not in, uh, releasing that information. They further said that the autopsy of Miles Sanderson will not be uh, released publicly, citing an ongoing investigation. Does that sound familiar? Uh, that was the same reason given for not releasing the firearms in Nova Scotia, the, the details of those, even though... The, you know, the ongoing nature of the investigation uh, is still in doubt, really. So that seems like just an excuse not to provide information. In Saskatchewan, I would say that autopsy needs to be provided. What kind of substances had um, Miles Sanderson ingested? How did he die? That needs to be revealed to the public. It's a big situation. It helps with the grieving process and uh, must come out. The other part is they, they've used the upcoming inevitable CERT, the Serious Incident Response Team investigation. CERT investigates uh, incidents where police have injured or killed somebody or they've killed, been, or they died while in police uh, custody. So the Saskatchewan RCMP have taken this view as well that, well, there's going to be a CERT investigation. You'll get all your answers there. So we don't need to say anything now. Uh, common excuse used when something is under investigation or before the courts uh, sometimes that's true and it may jeopardize investigation. Most of the time it's just an excuse uh, to put off questions, an excuse for not answering the questions. So some lessons learned on the emergency alert. And yes, it's good that they had air support available, but there still seems to be this institutional um, instinct to secrecy, which uh, the RCMP have not uh, figured out. And it's very short-sighted because, you know, if they... Don't answer questions now in a press conference. Well, you'll almost invariably be answering them, you know, in a year or two to come in the course of an inquiry, as we're seeing here in Nova Scotia. So uh, we'll see what happens if that uh, changes over the next uh, few days or weeks out in Saskatchewan. So uh, that's it for Brian Brennan's uh, testimony today and for the week. Uh, lots of interest, by the way, in the testimony of uh, Constable Wiley from earlier this week. If Constable Wiley in asking for these unusual accommodations to not have his testimony broadcast was hoping to avoid uh, public notice or scrutiny, uh, he is seriously miscalculated because I did, I did three, one last night and two today and uh, others and focused almost entirely on Constable Wiley's testimony and the accommodations uh, granted to him. So we'll see about that. Uh, see how that turns out. 
next uh, week, we uh, have the schedule released from the Mass Casualty Commission. Monday, there will be, there's, these are all going to be uh, discussion panels. Monday, it's going to be African Nova Scotian representatives. Tuesday, it will be Indigenous Peoples representatives. Wednesday, it will be a discussion of police oversight, supervision, and accountability. And then Thursday, there will be justice-related organizations. So we'll uh, see uh, see what kind of recommendations and uh, any, if anything intelligent comes out of uh, those uh, panel discussions next week. So until then, I uh, wish everyone a good weekend. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.